Hello, my name's David Clarkson and I'm the minister at Barclay View Fourth Church. We're still in lockdown, so we're not able to meet in our building and our activities for the moment are online. I want to welcome you to our service wherever you are watching from, whether it's Sunday or during the week, you are very welcome. You can catch up with services and other things that are happening in the congregation at our website, which is barclayviewforth.org.uk or you can also sign up there for our day of prayer. The last thing I want to highlight uh, today is our Easter card competition. There are different categories, uh, up to 6, 7 to 12, uh, 13 to 18 and over 18. And we will have a winner uh, in each category. The card has to represent the promise of the Easter story, however you choose to do that. And you can post your entries to the church office marked Easter competition or you can email Julie in the office which is admin at barclayviewforth.org.uk And so that there's no uh, jiggery-pokery going on with the judging, please make sure your name and your age goes on the back of your picture, not the front. And so let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning with our emptiness, our fears and our pain. We come with our questions and we come not always wanting to know the answers. We come with our lostness and our dreams. We come with our sadness and we come with all those things that might have been. Lord, we've come to worship you and to place you at the centre of everything, acknowledging that you are with us even in the midst of circumstances that we cannot fathom and that cause us pain. We believe that you hear our prayers and as we think about times when those prayers have not been answered, we often find ourselves asking why not. Help us to trust you at those times and to focus our hearts and our minds and our lives on you and your glory. That we are able to see all the things of our lives in a whole new way. And that we may give you thanks and praise. Would you help us to do that now? As we say together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Over the past few weeks we have been hearing the Lord's Prayer from Luke's Gospel in different languages and today I'm delighted that Pastor Mark Yip who leads the Chinese congregation that meets in our building uh, he's here and he's going to read for us now in Cantonese Lungafukyam第十一章第一至到四節耶稣在一个地方祷告祷告完了有个门徒对他说求主教导我们祷告像约翰教导他的门徒耶稣说你们祷告的时候要说我们在天上的父愿人都尊你的名为圣愿你的国降临愿你的旨意行在地上如同行在天上我们日用的饮食
，天天刺给我们，赦免我们的罪，因为我们也赦免凡亏欠我们的人，不叫我们遇见试探，救我们脱离凶恶。So far, we've introduced the idea that prayer flows from our relationships with God, and there are three things that we should consider each time、uh, we come to pray: keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Prayer is the most wonderful thing in the world in lots of ways, but I think if we're honest, sometimes we find that it's also the most painful thing. It's a really hard thing to do. Sometimes, I'm pretty confident that many people listening to me here will have experienced answers to prayer, perhaps even answers that could be described as miraculous. But I also know that there will be many whose prayer has not been answered. It seemed the right thing to pray for, and the prayer was with. Good and proper motives, and yet for some unexplained reason, God didn't come through. During my time in Prestwick, we prayed regularly for a young girl who was seriously ill, and for a while, it appeared that she was making good progress. But despite our prayers and the best efforts of the doctors, very sadly she died. The community was in shock, and for those of us who had been praying, it raised really big questions—questions questions that, in a way, we're going to address today. But with the proviso that often the answer is simply, "I don't know." Christians are not exempt from the difficulties that everyone else faces, although we sometimes seem to suggest that God makes everything okay all the time. Have a look at the words of Psalm thirty, verses four to seven. It says there, "Sing the praises of the Lord, you His faithful people. Praise His holy name, for His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts for a lifetime." Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, "I shall never be shaken." Lord, when you favoured me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. There are two things there. The first is a reminder that there will be times when we move in the favour of God and when we feel secure. I don't know about you, but I do know that I'm guilty of doing exactly what the writer says. When I feel secure, when things are going well, I think this is it. I've cracked it. I've got it sorted now. I'll never be shaken. On the other hand, it reminds us that there are times. When things happen that do shake us and shake us to the core, times when it seems that God is hiding His face from us, and yet it is actually an amazing promise that yes, there is night time. There's no getting away from that. 
even for God's people. Yes, there's time for weeping, especially for Christians, but we believe in the morning. We believe in the resurrection that comes after the death. We know that the third day comes. We know joy comes in the morning as the Christian paradox. Complete realism about the tears and the darkness of life, the struggles that we face. But also about the hope of the new day, the new dawn and the joy to come. The Bible is so much more honest about unanswered prayer than the church often is. About half of the Psalms aren't happy, clappy, lovely things. They are bitter laments to be played on the blues guitar, not nice happy music. The word Israel means striving with God, so we are part of a faith that's all about wrestling and struggling. Jesus himself said in this world we will have trouble and we don't see many people put a nice filter on that on Instagram. Even Jesus lives with unanswered prayer and that for me is just amazing because in John 17 he prayed that his church would be united and the last time I checked it's not happened yet. The church is incredibly divided. Maybe you're wondering if if talking about this is actually a dangerous thing because it might reduce faith or in fact produce unbelief. Well, I don't believe that it is unbelief. I think that's actually a form of belief. If you don't believe in God, then when your prayers don't get answered, you just say, oh, well, okay, it's, it's not true. That's why it didn't happen. But for a believer to ask, why didn't God answer? That's actually a form of faith. We need to wrestle with these kinds of things. It's not unbelief. Of course, it doesn't make it any easier to understand. I think this is where it is incredibly meaningful for Christians that we believe in a God who came and suffered on the cross. That's why we sang, from heaven you came, helpless babe. Jesus knows what it is to be human. If it wasn't for the cross, the rest of the Christian message would make no sense at all. It's this truth that at the crossroads of all human experience is a God who suffered. It's so important that I want to read to you from Mark chapter 14. This is in the last hours of Jesus' life. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Notice how vulnerable Jesus is with his friends. We're told that he's overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. And yet he very intentionally takes Peter, James and John, his three best friends, with him into that place of grief and asks them for their support. 
Sometimes when you're really struggling or suffering, there's, there's a temptation to hide and to isolate yourself away. But Jesus does the opposite. He includes his friends and he knows that then he needs their help and support more than ever. And the next thing to note is that in Jesus' hour of greatest need, he prayed. He knew that his friends were important, but that his father's presence was the real need of his heart. One word from the father can bring more comfort than a thousand from a friend. It's amazing that this vulnerable prayer is recorded for us in detail. Probably because the three friends, Peter, James and John, overheard it and wrote it into the Gospels to show where Jesus was at at that point in his life. First, Jesus says, Abba, Father. See, when he's hurting, he anchors himself in the love of God. He doesn't say, if you really cared for me, you wouldn't make me go through this. He doesn't question God's love. It's not up for debate. God is love. There's no getting away from that and no undoing that. So he continues, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. God of love, everything is possible for you. Well, I know that when I'm scared or when I'm suffering or hurting, there's a temptation to question God's love. Do you really love me? Well, Jesus doesn't do that. There's an old Hebrew saying that says, God's not a kindly old uncle. He's an earthquake. And I think that when I have a problem in my life, I want more than a kindly old uncle to smile and nod and wish me well. I want an earthquake. Jesus affirms God's love and God's power. And then the next phrase in the prayer is one of the most surprising bits of the whole Bible, I think, because Jesus says, take this cup from me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be the guy on a thousand stained glass windows pictured on a cross. Jesus is praying with radical honesty and vulnerability. And it's essential that we are honest when we are hurting and sad and suffering that we tell God exactly how we feel. And Jesus shows us here the way to do that, to be honest with our friends and to be honest with God himself. Of course, it raises another question. If God is all loving and if he's all powerful, then why doesn't he stop people from suffering? Well, that's probably the hardest theological question of them all. And there aren't any easy answers to that one. But I found it helpful to think in terms of three things. God's world, God's war and God's will. First of all, God's world. Some prayers aren't answered because it's just the way that God made the world to work. And Christians aren't immune from the laws of nature, the laws of science. For example, on our wedding day, it poured with rain. Absolutely bucketed with rain. We had booked a lovely hotel with nice gardens for the photos. And all the photos were taken inside. It was not what we had looked forward to. But of course, if every single couple who prayed for a sunny wedding day got it, there'd have been drought in the whole land. There must be some farmer somewhere who's praying for it to rain. 
And so there are just laws that make the world work for the vast majority of people, the vast majority of the time. And we are part of that system. C.S. Lewis talks about this when he says that God can and does on occasion modify the behaviour of matter and produce what we call miracles. But the very concept of a common and therefore stable world demands that these occasions should be very rare. If God did miracles all the time, then things are just not going to work. So in God's world, in God's war, the Bible teaches that we are in a spiritual battle. There is a vicious enemy that's seeking to destroy us. And as Christians we are often targeted and therefore some prayers aren't answered because there's an enemy, Satan, who is actively and often successfully opposing the word of God. Paul found that out. He had been praying for something and and received a message to say that the angel had been held up fighting the spiritual battle. Of course, When these things happen, it can hurt quite literally like hell. And we're going to look at this area in a few weeks. The third reason for unanswered prayer is God's will. It's not the laws of nature that are opposing our prayers and it's not Satan that's opposing them. But sometimes it's God who is opposing our prayers, who's saying no to them, knowing that they're not good for us, knowing that they're not going to be in his will. And he says no. Of course, some of that can be relatively straightforward. I mean, I should not get the Ferrari that I might pray for because I'm praying with the wrong motives and it's just not right for me. But sometimes it's because God knows best. And then in his love, he says no. And sometimes we look back and realise why. Obviously, these are prayers that, that God says no to. Sometimes we just don't understand. I talked about the little girl that we prayed for. It's one of those things that I just have to choose to trust God, even although I do not understand why that happened. And I don't know that I'll ever understand why it happened. So what about some practical advice for when we just feel like God's a million miles away? We are praying, but it feels like our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. It's really important to remember that God's silence isn't the same as God's absence. We mustn't confuse those two. Just because your prayers don't seem to be working, or maybe God seems distant, it doesn't actually mean that he's far away. Because his promise in his word is that he'll never leave you or forsake you. If you're a child, a son or daughter of God, he is with you. It's not that he's abandoned you, but he's often trying to mature us into something new. He's present, but he's allowing us to kind of grow into a new maturity, into a new level of faith and trust in him. There are times when God seems to withdraw from us and immerse us in spiritual darkness. And yet those are often the times of great spiritual growth and faith. I suppose there's a kind of kind of Scottish bloody mindedness to true Christian discipleship. You see it in many of the great biblical heroes. One of my favourite examples is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Now, I know they weren't Scottish, but you you know, uh, maybe the story, there's this moment when, when the king Nebuchadnezzar that takes the whole country and says, here's this idol that I have built and you must bow down and worship it. 
He says, if you don't, I'm going to throw you in this fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego say to him, well, the God that we follow can save us and will save us from your fire. So that's real faith divine saying to the king, no, we're going with God. And then they say, even if he doesn't save us, we're still not going to worship your idol. So, so what's that about? I think, I think it's faith. Faith says, I trust God. God can do it. He can do miracles. He can answer my prayers for the fullness, even if he doesn't. I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to follow him. It's like when our prayers don't work and we still keep on praying. Our faith fills up. And that's actually when we grow in character. I bet you know some old man or woman who's been a Christian for years and they've gone through really hard times, but they just have this kind of amazing trust and joy and life and faith in God. Those are the people that you kind of want to grow up to be like. And the story is never, oh, I've had it really easy all my life. It's usually, I've been through some really hard times, but I've learned to trust God. That's the filling up of faith. And it's being true to God, even when it doesn't make sense. If our prayers were always answered, then faith would just be a logical thing to do. But what doesn't seem sensible when our prayers aren't working? They're still true. It's still true that God loves us. It's still true that we turn to him. It's still true that he's there with us. The Apostle Paul says that we can glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And then he says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Now, even in the middle of suffering, we can know the hope that comes from God's love. I would prefer it, of course, if God would edit any suffering out of my life. But more often what happens is he parachutes in and he joins me in the midst of the trouble. In fact, that changes the question from why is this happening to me to where are you in this, God? Clearly the best example of this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, I don't want this. If there's any other way, even though it's so difficult, I choose to trust you. So if you're having that struggle today, my prayer is that you're able to hold on to God and to his love. Be absolutely honest with him. And if you still have no answer to your prayers, remind yourself that he loves you. And that has never and will never and can never change. Amen. In these prayers for others, I'm going to leave a series of gaps and in the silence, I want to encourage you to be praying for people and situations known to you, appropriate to each of the categories that I'll offer. Like throwing a stone into a pond, we will ripple out from the centre to the edges, and so we will begin close at hand and finish up far afield. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Almighty and everlasting God, we 
thank you that through Jesus you hear our prayers in each and every situation and that you answer our prayers according to your good will and purpose. And so hear us first of all as we pray for those who are our nearest and dearest. Hear us as we pray for our congregation, for those who lead within it, for those who serve, for those folks who have struggled most through the pandemic restrictions. Bless our congregations, Lord, we pray. We pray, Lord, for our communities, for those who serve day by day, keeping things going, for those who have leadership responsibilities, for teachers, for care home staff, for hospital workers, for shop workers, and for the so many others who serve day by day by day. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for our country. Yes, for those who have leadership responsibilities, decision makers, advisors, guiding us through the pandemic. And we pray for our world, a world locked down a world savaged by this virus with people in every country mourning the loss of loved ones struggling to cope with isolation oh lord we pray for our world the world you love the world you sent your son to die for and we pray that through all of this hope would triumph over despair, that life would triumph over death, yes, that light would prevail over darkness. Come, Lord, for our world. Grant us, Jesus, to be light of this world today and in all the days to come. Hear these and all our prayers, for we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. As a reminder of what it is to be a child of God through good and bad, we're going to sing the hymn Blessed Assurance.
Lord, we know that we are yours because you've made us your own. We belong to your kingdom because your spirit tells us that it's so. We go in the knowledge of your peace, hope, joy and truth to live as citizens of your heavenly kingdom here on earth. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. I hope that you'll try some of the exercises that we've shared over the past few weeks and that your prayer times continue to be a source of encouragement and faith strengthening for you. Hope you have a great week and look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Bye for now.